Very good morning, High Point Live, brothers and sisters, friends from Klang, from Shalam, from PJ, KL, Kuching, KK, and even India or any part of the world that you're tuning in from. We just warmly welcome you again this morning. And I believe that wherever you're tuned in from today, God has a word that is in season for us. And even as we come before Him to, uh, to just tune in our hearts and to receive the word in faith, I want to pray that each of you would just position yourselves to, to just receive from God this morning. So let's get into the word this morning. You know, our topic for consideration this morning is one pursuit. One pursuit. And uh, the word pursuit, it means it's, it's an act of, of going after or searching for someone or something with passion. And so when you think of that word pursuit, what comes to mind? You know, we, we commonly use this word perhaps in the context of uh, education or, or pursuing a career or, or pursuing a relationship. For, for example, a few weeks back, we, we prayed for, for Sarah Jane, who left us to pursue her studies in the UK. And, and so when we, when we picture or when we have an image of, of Sarah diligently putting aside all distractions with only one thing in mind, doing all that she can uh, to, to, to get that law degree of hers and to become the best lawyer possible. And that's a picture of Sarah pursuing her education and pursuing her career. Or perhaps husbands. Some of you would recall the time when you pursued your girlfriend at that time and, and now your wife. You pursued your wife with every bit of passion and energy, focus and creativity when you were courting her. And, uh, and some of you are probably smiling right now. Perhaps Pastor Stephen would have uh, some really good stories to tell, or even Uncle Yoon Loy, I've heard some of your stories as well, right? And, and you may have gone out of your way to do whatever you can to woo your girlfriend who eventually became your wife. You know, the Bible is one such story of a relentless, passionate pursuit by a loving father over his lost children. And I'm sure that we can each personally testify of this wonderful experience of how this Father God of ours never stops pursuing us, no matter how much we try to hide, or no matter how, how long we resisted His love or resisted Him. The pursuit of God over our lives is a very personal experience that we can each share as, as we recall how God has come into our lives. You know, I can remember the many times that I used to turn the other way or, or I used to run from God as He pursued me over the years. There were times when I just felt that enough was enough or it was, I, was I was not good enough and I was running from God, but God never let go of me. He pursued me until I came into a real true encounter with Him. And this morning, brothers and sisters, as, as we look at this topic, One Pursuit, I want us to know that from the very beginning of time, God had you in mind, God had me in mind. And the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, that you and I, we are God's chosen treasure. That's right. We are God's chosen treasure. God has chosen to pursue us at the highest cost. 
by giving his one and only son for us as a ransom for our sins. Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8 reminds us and tells us about the Lamb of God who was slain even before the world was created. And, and this gives us an amazing glimpse as to how important it was to God that every one of His children who were separated by sin from Him be reconciled back to Him into this beautiful, wonderful relationship that He wants us to come into with Him. Every human being is precious to God. Every human being is a treasure that God seeks after. Every human being is made in the image of God and, and, and God has loved us and loved every person with an everlasting love. And God's passionate pursuit of us can be found throughout the love story that we can read in the pages of His love letter to us, which is the Bible. If you have read your Bible, you would see that God has never given up in the pursuit of mankind, in the pursuit of restoring this relationship that was lost. And so, brothers and sisters, this morning, we want to look at this topic, one pursuit in the context of the church, God's redeemed children pursuing the Great Commission, pursuing the Great Commission, because the Great Commission is the very heartbeat of God. That's right. I want you to know this. The Great Commission, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is the very heartbeat of God. And so, the, and to, and so today, as we have considered this God who has pursued us with His all, we want to look as a church, we are mandated on this mission to pursue the Great Commission, setting aside all other distractions in our lives. And, and to do this, I would like us to reflect on the life of a man who started off by completely misunderstanding the heart of God and how through a very personal encounter with God, this man was totally transformed and he made the Great Commission his one pursuit. And this man was none other than the Apostle Paul. You know, the Apostle Paul's uh, story begins with the Bible telling us of a very religious, devout Jew who believed that he knew God and, 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 and that he was doing the will of God by persecuting the Christians. As we, as we reflect on the early life of Paul, there, there are many similarities we can draw with the condition of the church today. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. It starts off by, by telling us the story of Paul. And meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. And so he went to the high priest and he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them both men and women back to Jerusalem in chains. The first point I want us to consider today in our pursuit of the Great Commission is this. Just like Paul, we need to catch the heartbeat of God to get on the right mission. That's right. We need to catch the heartbeat of God to get on the right mission. Brothers and sisters, when we, when we see how the Apostle Paul started, Paul completely missed the heartbeat of God. You know, he was on a mission 
but he was on a wrong mission. Paul was on a mission, but he was on the wrong mission. I want us to consider for a moment, what mission are you and I on today? What mission is the church on today? What matters to us the most? Why do we, why do you and I, why do we even serve in any of the ministries that we serve in? Why are we part of the church? Has attending the Sunday service perhaps, and perhaps the occasional Bible study or prayer meeting just become the right thing for us to do? Has it just become a religious routine that, that, that we get into? The right mission, brothers and sisters, the right mission in all that we do would be the very pursuit of God Himself through our service so that through all this, we end up catching the heartbeat of God, which is the Great Commission, which is winning souls for the Kingdom of God, which is pursuing the lost, pursuing those who have been separated from Him and drawing, drawing them back into His fold, into the loving arms of the Father. It wasn't until I was personally caught up with God's heartbeat for the Great Commission did my Christian life get completely transformed. And so, brothers and sisters, wherever you are today, may I challenge you, the first point is this. You and I, we need to catch the heartbeat of God and we need to get on the right mission. Let us reflect, what is the mission that we are on today? Have we perhaps got on to the wrong starting line? Are we running the wrong race? Do we need to get back onto a new track and, and get on the right race, pursuing the right mission? And that's something for us to consider this morning. The second point is this in the life of the Apostle Paul as, as we look at his life. You know, Paul started off by persecuting the Christ, uh, Christians. He was on the wrong mission. But then he had an amazing encounter with the Lord Jesus himself. He had an amazing encounter with God on the road to Damascus. The second point is this. We each need to have our own road to Damascus encounter so that we can catch the, the heartbeat of God, so that we can catch God's heartbeat. In Acts chapter 9, verses 3 to 7, we read about how the Apostle Paul had that face-to-face -face encounter with God himself. And, and, and that was a very personal encounter which got him to understand or start to understand the heartbeat of God. And then we see that God not just stop there, but God used, uh, God used Ananias. We, we read in Acts chapter 9, verses 17 and 18. God used another minister of the gospel, Ananias, to give Paul or Saul at that time another encounter with him. And brothers and sisters, it is through these encounters, whether you have a personal encounter with God or, or, or whether it is through other ministers of the gospel, that we are able to start understanding and catching the heartbeat of God. We see here that it was after these encounters. Let's read Acts chapter 9, verses 19 and 20. The Bible tells us what happened to Saul. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. Wow! 
when, when I re- read this again, when I was studying the book of Acts in preparation for this message, the word leapt up, the word immediately leapt up in my heart because it, it shows that when, when we come into a real divine encounter with God, when we come into a, a real experience with God, something just gets transformed in us and, and the old us just gets left behind and we become a completely new person, just ready to catch on the, the mission that God has for us and, and to press on just like the Apostle Paul. And so I would like to challenge us this morning. Have you had your road to Damascus moment? Friends, God is ready to encounter you wherever you are. But oftentimes, it requires us taking that first step forward and being willing to start the pursuit of God. And that leads us to the third point. And the Apostle Paul reminds us that in order for us to press on to what's ahead, we need to forget what is behind, pressing on towards the pursuit of the mission, the pursuit of the goal and our heavenly prize. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, Paul tells us, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. You know, when you start positioning yourself to pursue God's heartbeat, the enemy is going to try everything to stop it. I've been there and I've experienced it. Time and again, when I try to get myself up and, and, and just leave the past behind, the enemy will come and hit you again with condemnation, with guilt, with the baggages from the past. And, uh, and, and consider everything that we are so used to in the, in the, in the past. Sometimes we, we put our faith in the things which are meaningless, right? We, we see this in Philippians chapter 3, Again, that, that same passage which Paul talks about, Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 to 8. Paul talks about the fact of how we need to consider the things of the past as garbage. But the enemy keeps bringing it back into our lives because we are not ready to let go. So friend, can I ask you today, can I ask myself today, what are the things that we have held on as if they mean everything to us? What are the things that we are not ready to let go of? This morning, God is asking us to put aside the baggage of the past. The Apostle Paul could not have run his race and could not have pressed on to the mission that God had for him unless he was ready to put aside the baggages from the past, to put aside the things which he held on so dearly in the past. And today God is asking us to do the same. Don't hold on to the baggages. Don't hold on to the hurts of the past. Don't hold on to the failures of the past. Don't hold on to the things which you feel are more important because there is nothing more important than God himself and the mission that God has for us. And God wants you to come into that today, my dear friends. The fourth thing is this. We need to be prepared to embrace suffering, persecution, and difficulties 
instead of trying our best to avoid them. And that's a very difficult one, isn't it? The Apostle Paul, if you read the Scriptures, he was someone that really endured a lot of trials, a lot of difficulties, things that we can't even begin to imagine for many of us. In Romans chapter 5, verses 2 to 5, this is what he says. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope... Wow, this is, this is the part I love the most. This hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. You know, brothers and sisters, friends, if we are honest with ourselves, none of us like to suffer. You know, we will do whatever we can to try and avoid difficult circumstances and suffering. I know I have. For a large part of my Christian life, I used to take the easy way, uh, easy way out. You know, try to do things with as least inconvenience as possible. Try to shy away from things which are, which are going to bring challenges and difficulties from me. And my prayers would be prayers that would ask God to, to spare me all these challenges. But friends, as we make the Great Commission our one pursuit. This naturally makes us the prime target of the enemy. And just as Jesus himself was, look at the life of Jesus. What did Jesus tell us about following him? Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Jesus himself said, if you and I, if we want to follow him, we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and then follow Him. So the question comes to us this morning. What does picking up your cross look like to you? What does it look like to me? Do we believe that it is possible for us to pick up our cross and follow Jesus without paying a huge price? You know, brothers and sisters, the pursuit of the Great Commission is never easy. It involves dealing with people. And, and as you probably know by now, dealing with people is not easy at all, right? Broken people who are in darkness, broken people who have baggages, who come with baggages, dealing with such people can be very messy. As the Apostle Paul himself found out, if you read the story of the Apostle Paul, you would see how he was persecuted, he was accused, he was shamed, he was, uh, you know, he, was, he was abused in so many different ways. He found out that dealing with people wasn't easy. But brothers and sisters, our God is a God of patience, a God of love, a God of grace, a God of long-suffering. And just as we look at the life of Jesus, He expects His children who are called by His name to follow in His ways. Just as He gave everything to rescue us, we are called to do likewise. We are called to 
put aside our desire to remain in our comfort zones, to remain, to, to, to remain in a life that is free from trials and tribulations and difficulties. And we are called to pick up our cross like the Lord Jesus himself and pursue him. So today Jesus is inviting you and he's inviting me to partner with him in this epic adventure of a lifetime. That's right, it's an adventure, friends. It's an adventure. You know, whenever I, I, I share the gospel, whenever I encounter new people who come with broken past and I share the gospel with them and, and when I see them being transformed from darkness into light and when I see that their lives completely changing, I thank God for inviting me to be part of this great adventure with Him. It's an adventure. It's a life that isn't limited by the safeguards we set. And so we need to let go of those safeguards. What are those safeguards which you have set in your lives today, my dear brothers and sisters? God is saying it is time to let go of those safeguards. Those safeguards need to go today. It's the abundant life which Jesus promised in John 10.10, 10, which is calling you and I to experience today. And we can only experience this abundant life when we say yes to being a partner in the Great Commission. The abundant life cannot be separated from the Great Commission because that's the heartbeat of God. The abundant life which Jesus promised can only be achieved through us partnering with God in this mission of His. Point number five, we need to be led daily by the Holy Spirit to the people God leads us to, to share the gospel to. That's right, we need to be led daily by the Holy Spirit to people God leads us to share the gospel to. You know, throughout the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul was completely led by the Spirit as he went from town to town, from city to city, from place to place, and as he ministered the gospel. And in his first missionary journey, it started by the Holy Spirit himself sending Paul out. We read in Acts chapter 13, verse 4. And so Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. And so, brothers and sisters, likewise, as we say yes to God and embrace this mission that He's sending us to, and as we let go of the baggages of the past, and as we forget the past, and we, as we press on, and as we come into new encounters with God, and as we start on this exciting adventure, we need to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. And this is not something which happens easily. It's not something that happens overnight. Because our body is so used to yielding to the flesh. Our body is so used to the five senses, you know, our, our sight, our, our hearing, our smell, our taste, our touch. We have not learned to use the sixth sense, which is us connecting with the Spirit of God. And this comes through a lifestyle of intimacy with God, a lifestyle of prayer. The Apostle Paul, he knew the voice of the Holy Spirit because he spent countless hours a day developing intimacy with God. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14 and verse 18, we see how when Paul was teaching about tongues, what did he say? He thanked God that he spoke in tongues more than all of the people in the church of Corinth at that time. In, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Again, we see how Paul encourages the church 
to pray without ceasing, rejoicing and giving thanks for all circumstances. And so Paul made his life a life of prayer, a life of thanksgiving, a life of being connected with God through praying, not just praying in known languages, but even praying in the Spirit. He, he prayed count, in countless hours, praying in, the tongue, praying in tongues, so that he could draw from the Spirit realm and so that he could be more sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so, through this lifestyle of intimacy with God, we see, as you read the book of Acts, how Paul continuously received revelation after revelation from the Holy Spirit on where he should go and who he should minister to next and, and what, what he was supposed to do and what he should refrain from. All this came through a lifestyle of intimacy with God. But friends, this happens naturally over time. And so we all need to start somewhere. And so today, may I encourage you, if you have not already started developing this lifestyle of, of just spending time in the presence of God, worshipping and soaking in His presence and, and allowing Him to speak to you as you pray with Him, instead of rushing through your quiet time, instead of rushing through the, your times of devotion, would you start doing that as you tell God, yes, God, I want to be used by you. It's, it begins not just with that one-time encounter, but it is a daily encounter that we need to go through as we build this intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Point number six is this. You and I, we need to learn to be flexible in our approach and methods as we adapt to different people and situations. That's right. We need to learn to be flexible in our approach and methods as we adapt to different people and situations. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 23 Let's read this together. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jew, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jew to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in his blessings. Friends, as we read what the Apostle Paul tells us here, sharing the gospel isn't something that has a fixed formula, and that's something that I learned over time. You know? uh, we used to, when we were in our younger days, we used to learn what we call the four spiritual laws. And we used to be taught of how to go and share the gospel with the four spiritual laws. Now, while that is great, right? If you and I, if we were just to stick with that, I can tell you that it would be almost impossible for us to really connect and break through with people around us. Okay? So, yes, there are some key elements you should not leave out when you share the gospel. But, but the approach you take, right, 
needs to vary depends on who you're speaking to. Recently, some of you, uh, you went through the, the plural, pluralism course in the School of Ministry, right? And I heard that you really enjoyed it uh, over that period of eight weeks. And then recent, uh, just last week, you had that, that practical session with uh, Leon. And I, I really enjoyed that session. And, and you learned how to take the gospel to different groups of people in different contexts. And that's what pluralism is all about, okay? And so, friends, it all comes down to us just being real. That's right. The breakthrough with your family, with your friends, with the people around you, will start to happen when we just become real, okay? We just become a friend to the people who I need. Just seeing how we can, we can connect our own life experiences with theirs and then lead them one step closer to God. We really don't need to overthink it. All you need to do is to take that first step. Who are the friends you have in mind right now? Who are the family members you have in mind right now? You know, sometimes we have so much fear built in us, not knowing what to say. But trust me, it's when you start taking that first step, the Holy Spirit is going to start giving you the right words to say. The Holy Spirit is going to bring uh, the experiences that you have had with God, the encounters that you have had with God, is going to bring it to memory so that you can connect it with that, with, with, with that need that person has. And it's going to become so real. It's going to be a beautiful story as you take that first step. And again, the reminder to us is there is no one formula, right? Just as the Apostle Paul, he became who he needed to be for that person that he was connecting with. And that's my encouragement to you. Just as I've experienced this in my own sharing of the gospel, God wants to use you to do the same. And people will do that as you do it out of sincerity. People will start to respond. Amen? Okay, point number seven is this. We need to believe and expect God to work miracles, signs and wonders through us as a confirmation of His word. Believe and expect God to work miracles, signs, and wonders through you and I as a confirmation of His Word. Throughout the Gospel, throughout the, the New Testament, the epistles, and even the book of Acts, we see how in many instances, as Paul shared the Gospel, many people turned to God as the truth of the Gospel was confirmed through signs, wonders, and miracles. You know, in my own ministry, uh, these past few years, some of you heard the story uh, uh, that Preman shared and Nanda shared, and, and there are many others as well. And uh, if, you, if you want to hear more stories, you can connect with me. But almost every time I share the gospel, God always is ready to confirm it with signs, wonders, and miracles. There is always a need that a person has. And the Holy Spirit will lead you to that need and show you that need. And, the, and as the Holy Spirit does that, and as we respond in faith, God wants to, to use us to touch that person by demonstrating His power and His love, not just with words, but with actions. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, the Apostle Paul tells us, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And the Bible exhorts us in Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 18. For some of you who might be saying, no, 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 these are for the pastors, these are for the church leaders, you know, 
I don't have these gifts. I don't have the ability to move in signs, wonders, and miracles. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 15 to 18 tells us this. And these are the words of Jesus. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And then Jesus goes on to say, And these signs will accompany those who believe. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. And they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Brothers and sisters, the Bible says that these signs will follow those who believe. The question this morning is, do you believe? Will you choose to believe that Jesus wants to use you, not just to preach the gospel by word, but to demonstrate the gospel through signs, wonders, and miracles so that the love of God can be manifested in the lives of people around us? God's heart is for every one of you, every one of you to be used by Him, not only to preach, but to demonstrate his love through the gifts that he has given us. Point number eight. We need to be ready to invest valuable time in discipling new believers once they are saved. You and I, we need to be ready to invest valuable time. That's right. It is not a touch and go ministry. Sharing the gospel is not a touch-and-go ministry, right? Throughout the gospel, we see how the Apostle Paul, after he went and he shared the gospel and, and disciples were made, right? Believers were made. He spent countless amount of hours and days and months and years discipling them. Acts chapter 14, verses 21 to 23 is one such example. The Bible says, they preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. And then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. So uh, this was them now going back to, another, to, to the other cities that they had already made, made believers. And what did they do? They strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. And then what did they tell the disciples? We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. And then Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is not just asking us to make Christians or to make people who just say the sinner's prayer and then, then invite them to church on a Sunday and uh, you know, ask them to come for our prayer meetings and just assimilate themselves with the church. That's not what God is asking us to do. Jesus commissioned us to go out and make disciples of all nations, not to make Christians of all nations. And there's a big difference there. Making disciples requires time. It requires an investment of our resources, an investment of our, our time, of our love, our sacrifices in so many different ways. And there is a need for disciple makers to rise up in the church today. A time when the faith amongst believers is growing more and more shallow, 
There is a need for the church to be grounded in the word of God again. A church to be, uh, to, to be on fire again. To follow the commands which Jesus has left us to go and to preach the gospel, to go and to heal the sick and to cast out demons. And there's so much more that we can do as we go out and make disciples together. So brothers and sisters, making disciples is the responsibility of all of us collectively. It's not the responsibility of Pastor Stephen or Pastor Daniel or Pastor Swansim or you know, some of your leaders. The responsibility of making disciples, the commission to make disciples is for every one of us. If you're watching this today and if you are a believer and if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you, my friend, are called to go and make disciples of all nations. And God wants you to rise up today. God wants you to say yes to Him. God wants you to let go of the baggages of the past. God wants you to, to just start yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit and, and start taking that step of faith in, in just being true to yourself as you encounter Him in your daily life and sharing your life with other people so that those who are in darkness like you will have that opportunity to come out of darkness into the glorious light that God is calling them into. But that responsibility lies with you and me, friends. The Great Commission is the very heartbeat of God. And you and I are the answer to God's pursuit of mankind. What will our response be this morning, friends? God has no plan B. There is only one plan, and that is the church, the church of Jesus Christ. We have been commissioned, we have been called into this mission to go and make disciples of all nations. Will we choose to make the Great Commission our one pursuit? Will you choose to make the Great Commission your one pursuit? Will I choose to make the Great Commission my one pursuit this morning? I know that some of us this morning, we are struggling to let go of things from the past which are holding us back from taking this leap of faith. I want you to know, friends, it doesn't have to be this way. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, God says, come, let it go, friend. Let it go, my child. Lay it at the foot of the cross. This morning, God is calling you into the abundant life. God is calling us to come and partner Him in this great adventure, an adventure that will take you into new seasons, new realms that you can't even begin to imagine the amount of joy and the amount of satisfaction that you and I we are going to, we are going to experience as we take that step of faith. Many of us, for too long, we have been living mundane Christian lives. We have been living Christian lives which are empty. We feel that void in us and, and we wonder why. And the answer is this. It's because we have not been pursuing the heartbeat of God. And that is the call to partner Him in the Great Commission. As we start to do that, we will start to, to get into the space which, which God has already prepared for us. Because we were created and destined for greater things. And, th and those things are things of the kingdom of God, not things of this world. 
So my dear brothers and sisters, my encouragement to you, my encouragement to me, my encouragement to all of us this morning is will we say yes to God and will we choose to make the Great Commission our one pursuit? May God bless you, my dear friends, as you take this step of faith forward. I believe that your life is never going to be the same again because my life was never the same again. Today is the day. Will you say yes to God?